Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I'm continuing my team preview series, and today I'm joined by James to talk about the Tennessee Titans. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, uh, t- tell me a little bit about, about your background. I, I know you're a Titans fan. Um, I know you're uh, working in the industry right now. So what uh, t- what do you do? Uh, so at the moment, um, my day job, I'm a, a post producer for audiobooks and podcasts. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football for about a decade, um, Dynasty about five, six years. Uh, just got into starting to write some content for that. So um, working with the guys over at Dynasty Pros, just putting out some articles, um, you know, Dynasty Dilemma, buy trade or buy sell type of stuff, um, situational things like uh, whether or not, you know, incoming talent is going to help somebody take a next step, all, all of that kind of uh, kind of stuff. Nice, nice. Sounds good. Um, and are you from the Tennessee area or, or why are you kind of focused on covering them? So actually, I'm uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, nice. Titans are my fandom because of Vince Young. Um, mm-hmm. Bit of a convoluted story there, but the short version of it is uh, growing up, I just kind of couldn't really get behind the teams that my family was rooting for. Um, kind of wanted something to spark the passion, you know, a player, a team, something I could follow. Nice. Um, and that, uh, that national championship game, uh, with USC, I was, I watched that. and was like, wherever he goes, that's all I need yeah, to see. I'm, wherever uh, he goes. I'm very glad I didn't do dynasty when, uh, when Vince Young was drafted because I would have wasted a lot of one-on-ones on him because I was equally <laughs> high on him. Um, nice. Well, uh, I, I'm a bit of a Titans fan myself, big, big Steve McNair fan from back in the day, but let's get to current day Titans. And I wanted to talk about initially, I mean, when you look at it at first, it's a pretty similar team to last year, just with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but hopefully there's some growth in some other young pass catchers. And it's year two of Tim Kelly. So I, I wanted to start off with, do you see any major wholesale changes in how the offense is going to be run this year? Um, I definitely do. I think that, so while we did have Tim Kelly uh, on the sideline last year, um, he was more of a offensive consultant, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. So Todd Downing was still, you know, still the one calling the plays and making the decisions. Uh, There's actually a quote that I I saw uh, with the interview with Rabel from last year when he was asked about what exactly uh, responsibility-wise he expects out of Kelly as a consultant. And um, the answer was he wanted him to focus on tight ends, red zone offense, and early down passing. Um, And I think that starting here, it's a good place to start to talk about what's going to change with this team because um, anyone that kind of watched the Titans offense operate last year, um, the only word that comes to mind was predictable. Um, Todd Downing's got, you know, 65% first down rush rate. Um, For context, the NFL average was 54%. Um, about 13% worse success rate on first down rushes than average. Um, and it's, it's almost a little mind boggling when you think about it, because the Titans, uh, in terms of, um, defensive fronts, they faced first and 10 stacked box rate, fourth highest in the NFL. Um, but 
fourth worst first down, first and 10 rush efficiency in the NFL. And I think it's, it's a pretty clear sign um, that maybe Tim Kelly didn't have as much say so in the offense last year. When you look at the fact that first and 10 passing efficiency was third best in the NFL Um, yet still 65% rush rate first down week after week after week. Um, And then early down, right. You would still assume, okay, second down passing, that's going to fall under Tim Kelly's umbrella. Um, After a incompletion on first down, uh, second and 10 pass rate, 42% fifth lowest in the NFL. So it kind of just hints at the idea that uh, maybe Tim Kelly wasn't as involved with the play calling and the schematics of the offense as one might have thought. Um, and based on kind of comparing the 2019-2020 uh, Texans offenses that he ran uh, against what the Titans have been doing last season, um, I, I really think that there's going to be kind of a shift in the offensive philosophy. I think we're going to see them airing it out a little bit more. Um, they brought in some offensive linemen that kind of uh, fit the, the mold a little bit more. Uh, guys like Daniel Brunskill, so played 606 snaps last year, zero sacks, zero penalties allowed uh, across four different positions on the offensive line. I mean, that's a pass pro specialist if I've ever heard one. Um, so it seems like they kind of want to move in that direction. Um, I don't think, to your point, right, like Hopkins is the major change. Um, I don't think you're going out and getting somebody like that if you planned on keeping the rush rates that you obviously failed with last year. Um, yeah, and, and it's 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 about time that they that they switch it up. I mean, last year, 51% neutral run rate, which was you know in the in the 16% at last season. Um, it's it's time that they move on, especially because. Derrick Henry, over the last few seasons, he's he's still been amazing. He's still been, you know, one of the top five rushers in the NFL, but he hasn't been quite that special. And now he's 29 years old, and I don't think you can necessarily give him the ball, you know, 350 times again this season and expect him to be able to run efficiently and really carry that big of a workload. But that's kind of why you get DeAndre Hopkins, because he can carry a larger workload. So let's let's talk about Henry for a minute, because – as far as dynasty goes, he's a very interesting piece because we know at some point he's going to be worth nothing. So is it worth kind of holding and letting him retire on your team or is it time to cash in? He's currently going basically in the early sixth round of startups. Um, so basically you can get a get a future first for him potentially. How, what do you think is going to happen with Derek Henry this season, and especially if the uh, focus of the offense moves to the passing game? Uh, So I will say for for fantasy purposes, I'll start off by saying um, if you're not in a startup position, right, if you if you're rostering Henry on a team that's already kind of, you know, been through the the paces, um, I think that if you're a team that has a reasonable chance to kind of make the playoffs and take something down, uh, I think you definitely want to hold the playoff schedule is going to end up being Houston, Seattle, Houston. Um, Derrick Henry's last five games against Houston, uh, four of them, he's over 202. The fifth one, he's over 101. So, I mean, that's just kind of a cakewalk of a playoff schedule for somebody that does still have the juice. Um, but I do think, to your point, maybe start up, 
um, or a team that's kind of closer to a rebuild. I do think that it might be worth seeing what she can get for him um, because, you know, we, we fantasy dynasty guys talk about that, that age cliff all the time, especially for running backs. And, and he's kind of, we're talking about him kind of getting up there in age and surpassing that. Um, I do think that if there's ever a running back in modern times, that's considered just straight up built different. Um, I do think Derrick Henry's kind of ha- he kind of has the frame to be able to weather that storm and maybe push that that cliff a little bit. Um, but when you talk about him for this season, I think the oversimplification of it is going to be that the touches are going to come down, but I think you should expect the efficiency to stay up. Yeah. Um, because there's just a number of fact. I mean, last year it was basically the Derrick Henry show uh, that the offense is going to run as they run particular, as he runs particularly with all the injuries across the line and the receiver core Tannehill missing a bunch of games. So, I mean, if he's not shouldering the load that last year's team was just doing nothing, moving the ball. Um, and, I, and, and Derrick Henry actually got 31% of targets of his route runs last season, which was a ridiculously high target rate. Um, so even if they pass the ball more, I mean, that's for, for, for his fantasy game, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, it gives him more efficient touches and, you know, he puts in more points per touch, which is important if his usage is going to go down. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think you're right on in terms of it's really situational, whether you keep them. I, I tend to be a guy that's going to try to find some type of package to move down and try to get similar uh, I mean, you're not going to get similar production, but try to get, you know, some semblance of production, like, you can move down to Cam Akers and get like a good second thrown on top, but really that's taking a big downgrade. So if you're contending, you probably just got to keep him on your roster for another year or two. Um, it's kind of the same situation as DeAndre Hopkins is in really. Um, and I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about him. Maybe you disagree. I kind of just think he fits in and is who DeAndre Hopkins always has been. I, I think the concern more, especially from a dynasty perspective, is is this going to – really prevent the breakout of Traylon Burks and Shaker Conquo to some uh, extent as well. Do, do you think that there's enough left in the passing game, I, I guess, especially if it expands this year, that Burks and Conquo can still be as productive as people are hoping they can be? Um, I think that there is definitely something there. Um, so I like to, when I'm, when I'm looking at kind of this coming, the team coming into this 2023 season, um, it's eerily reminiscent at a, in a player to player situation of the 2020 offense under Arthur Smith that, uh, finished, um, I can't remember if it's second and fourth or fourth and second, but, uh, for argument's sake, uh, second in, in total offense, fourth in scoring offense. Um, and I think that Hopkins is kind of with a, maybe a little bit of a different skill set, but stepping into that AJ Brown role, right. Where like a lot of the passing game revolved around AJ Brown's ability to just simply beat you, just manhandle the DB one-on-one climb the ladder, go up and get it and make a play. Um, And I think if there's, you know, anything you want to say about Hopkins, it's that throughout his career, he's shown he can definitely do that. Um, Now, that season, uh, Corey Davis, I believe, was a mid-wide receiver three. Um, they still were a little bit run heavy. Uh, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Um, my projections kind of have 
hop between wide receiver 14 and 19. And, and I think that um, if the passing goes up, the passing percentage goes up, like I think it will, I think Burks can fall probably between <coughs> 24 and 30. Um, he's shown he was, uh, you know, dealing with some, some injuries, some conditioning issues, the asthma and everything in his rookie year, uh, which all reports are suggesting is, you know, a problem of the past. He's coming in healthy. He's good to go. And in the games he did play, he did play in last year. I mean, there are some, you know, like the green Bay game, Jair Alexander is kind of unanimously considered a top five corner in the league and twice on the same exact route, just man coverage, one-on-one. Burks kind of sunned him a little bit and took him yeah. for a ride. Uh, did the same thing on a play against Cincinnati. So I think the talent is there. Um, I would be a little bit more worried about Chig. I think best case scenario, because he's incredibly athletic, right? He's somebody that you want the ball in his hands. You want him to be able to make the plays that we saw him make towards the end of the year, I guess from week 12 on last season. Um, but my worry would be, that it's not going to be an air raid, right? It's not going to be the the kind of Chiefs, um, you know, chucking it 100 times a game, everybody's involved, spread the ball around type of offense. Um, so my, my concern would be maybe Chig doesn't get the volume to take that next step like the community seems to think he's capable of doing. Um, but the flip side of that coin is, right, again, going back to the comparison with the 2020 offense, uh, I think he's athletically positioned to fit that Johnu Smith role, who was during that season one of their top, one of our top red zone uh, threats. He came away with eight touchdowns that year uh, on four hundred something, four hundred forty, I think it was yards receiving. Um, so, I think he can definitely be more of a specialist. I kind of see him on this team as more of like a pseudo wide receiver three, more of kind of like a gadget guy that just yeah. has the skills to get him the ball. You know. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, and he's he's very effective uh, against play action as well. So it, it it makes a lot of sense. I think he's still going to be kind of a big play guy. I mean, last season he was only in thirty percent of the routes that the Titans had, so he really is was a, going from a part time player that was hyper efficient. We have no idea if he can do it. Um, I I personally think that like there's a lot of upside to his game, but I don't think that's going to happen this year because he's really at best the fourth option um, in Tennessee. Um, yeah. all right. So, um, I guess with that, let's move on to the lightning round. Um, tell me who is the best dynasty value on the Titans right now? Uh, I think it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I think Traylon Burks, especially with hop coming over during this season and particularly right now, you know, before the seasons here, um, people are taking that move as kind of a, um, Oh, Burks is take. He's going to have to take a step back. He's going to have to cede volume to to Hopkins. Uh, but Hopkins only signed a two year deal. He's over thirty, anyways. Um, and I just feel like the the talent that Burks has shown, um, you know, getting healthy, learning under Hopkins. A lot of quotes about how they're virtually inseparable in training camp. I mean, if there's anyone you want to mentor your elite wide receiver of the future, it's going to be Hopkins. And so I think down the road, that's going to be a buy that you can make now. That's really going to pay elite dividends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that would be my pick as well. I, I think it's just obvious that he, he should not be priced in, you know, wide receiver 29 level, which is, uh, which is where he currently is. Um, who's the worst dynasty value on the team? 
Uh, so I think only for, for hype reasons, you know, every off season, the incoming rookie class gets a lot more hype than they've ever proven yet. Cause they haven't hit the field. I'm going to have to go with Will Levis just on the basis of, um, as of right now, reports coming out of camp are saying that it's not even a sure thing. Levis is the two, uh, Malik Willis has, you know, been ranted and raved about from Vrabel, his work ethic, the improvement he's made since last season. I mean, you, you might be trying to make a move for a quarterback of the future who's not necessarily even the quarterback of the future. Uh, so I think buying Levis right now is probably where you're going to end up wasting a lot of resources going after that, even if they're n- maybe not the most valuable assets, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely interesting. Um, I, I know that, you know, in the dynasty community, it's thought of that uh, Malik Willis is basically free and Will Levis is thought of as the guy to have, you know, Pretty significant value. I mean, taken in the early second of, you know, super flex drafts or sometimes even the late first this past year. So that would be interesting to see. Um, so you don't think that there's any chance that Tannehill's giving up the job to to either of these guys this year? Um, so I mean, he's getting up there in age too. Um, did did spend last season with a plethora of injuries, fighting through some problems, and then ultimately ended up, you know, missing the last five games or so. Um, I could see one of them taking over, obviously, if that happens, but I think it would really take kind of a catastrophic collapse. We would have to be out of the playoff race early enough that one of these, um, or either, you know, Levis or Willis could get a nice little run of games, maybe three, four or five starts to really evaluate. Um, and I just don't think that that's how Mike Vrabel coaches. He's, he's just. I mean, even last year with all the disappointment and injuries still ended up at seven and 10. Um, He's just too good a coach, I think, for the team to be in that position that early in the season. Yep. No, I I completely, I completely agree. Um, I think that it's, it's unlikely that Levis or Willis, I guess, get a chance, um, especially if there's kind of a competition between the two. Um, Unless, because if you think about it, they would have to be what at four and eleven at one point in the season to give someone four games, and I, I don't think they're going to be that bad of a team. Um, Vrabel's always put a competitive team out there, and they they still do have talent, um, especially with the additions to the offensive line and Hopkins, um, of course. Uh, so with that, what is your uh, what's your prediction to the win loss record for the team? Uh, so I have, uh, I've been flipping back and forth on this one, uh, between 11 and six and 10 and seven. Um, the Titans are just a notorious team for winning games that they're, that they probably shouldn't and laying eggs in games where they should cakewalk. Um, and I think the two that are really kind of giving me some, some problems are the London game against Baltimore. I think that one's, uh, going to have a very interesting outcome. Um, and then the Bengals game. So we have the Bengals in week four. And as of the most recent news, um, there is a possibility Burrow might miss one through four. Uh, so if he's hobbled at all, if he misses that game, you know, then I would I would probably think the Titans could take down the Bengals with a backup quarterback. If Burrow's back in action and doing his thing, you probably shouldn't be favoring the Titans. Uh, so just, you know, the way news breaks, I could see 10 and 7, 11 and 6. I, that's that's where I see them sitting. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, last question. Who is a player that might be on waivers in a deep dynasty league that you should pick up? Kyle Phillips. Uh, again, with, with the comparisons to the 2020 team, uh, the twitchy route running, the quickness in the short field, 
uh, works the middle of the field well. I mean, in week one last year before getting hurt, he had uh, seven catches for 76 yards in his first ever NFL game. Um, I think he slots in perfectly for what Adam Humphreys was for that 2020 offense. Um, I wouldn't expect massive numbers. I wouldn't expect, you know, a league winner or anything crazy like that. But I just think that he's kind of shown enough in his one appearance, working on putting the weight on to stay healthy. He could be kind of a a deep stash to see how that plays out as the the, uh, offense of the future kind of grows into itself. Nice. Yeah, I like that call. I think he's a, he's a good bet at uh, basically free. Um, all right. Now uh, I'll, uh, I'll toss the mic to you. Do you have any uh, questions for me? Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely like to get your thoughts on the uh, Levis versus Willis thing. Or another uh, one of my kind of little far-fetched theories was possibly if this season goes terribly, um, you know, you are willing to trade up to three, four, whatever it was with the Cardinals to get your quarterback of the future. Well, Drake May is sitting right there next season. What do you think is the uh, after Tannehill solution? I am not convinced that Levis or Willis are the solution. Um, I, I I think I don't think Tannehill will be the starter next season. Um, I think it's a lot closer between Levis and Willis, but and both of them have, I guess, a certain degree of fantasy upside, but are probably not that likely to be very good based on their college output. Um, I think it's probably a, a, a Dorsey situation where they're going to go find either a free agent quarterback or they're probably going to have a high draft pick. Um, I mean, even if they have, if they have, you know, their Vegas uh, over under is projected seven and a half wins. If they end up going like, you know, seven and 10 or six and 11, they'll have the ninth pick in the draft. Maybe they can use a future first trade up. Um, I could definitely see that situation. So I, I do, I'm not going to invest a whole lot into any quarterback on this roster. Um, except for Tannehill, because he's going so late. I mean, my projections have him as uh, mid-end QB2, uh, and he's going as, you know, QB28 in redraft leagues, and later than that in dynasty leagues, I I think he's a good buy. Um, Other than that, though, I'm not that interested. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, No one can really blame me on that either, right? Um, I guess uh, an interesting one little caveat to that might be, you know, Rand's the new GM coming over from San Francisco. If you've been following the news there, I mean, Trey Levis and or uh, Trey Levis, Trey Lance Trey in, two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in two tone next year. If, if things go south might be uh, might be interesting speculation. Yeah, I could see it. Um, so what another question I wanted to ask you is, uh, Coming into this year, uh, it feels like there's just something in the air. You know, it's a little bit more exciting, a lot more turnover, just interesting offseason heading into what I think is going to be a real interesting season. And with all the kind of news and everything coming out, I was wondering what your favorite dynasty buys would be. Uh, Who's the top target you're looking for at each of the main positions? Um, Well, that's a that's a question that I could answer very long or very short. Uh, I guess I'll go with the short <laughs> short version of it. Uh, quarterback, definitely uh, Kyler Murray. I think he's very undervalued right now. Running back, going Javante Williams. Wide receiver, Sky Moore. And tight end, uh, Dalton Kincaid. Love it. Love it. Yeah, especially uh, Javante and Sky Moore, too. I'm, uh, I'm huge on this year. Yeah, so. definitely could, uh, could have big breakouts. Hi, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Can you tell everyone uh, where they can find more of your work? 
Yeah, indeed. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever the bird app is called now at uh, at jgorell74, uh, J-G-O-R-R-E-L-L-74. Um, and you can find my uh, published articles at uh, dynastypros.com. Thank you for joining me. Stick around for this 30-second break, and then we'll move on to talk about the Detroit Lions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are back today with another of the team preview series, and today we are talking the Detroit Lions. So it is fitting that I am joined by a Detroit Lions fan. Excited to talk with Derek. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? Good, good. Nice to uh, nice to really talk to you. I know we've been in uh, been in leagues for a while. But- probably a few years now so nice to uh nice to have you on the pod yeah absolutely pleasure to be here it's nice to uh like you said get to talk to you somewhat in person for not over twitter or sleeper yeah close enough exactly right right uh so the lions I'm, i'm really excited to talk about them to get kind of the fan perspective on how you're feeling about the team overall and obviously from a from a fantasy and dynasty perspective um before we get into the questions, I'm just going to give a quick overview of where I have the main jo- main lines players projected. Um, I have Jared Goff right now for about 4,500 yards and 27 touchdowns, which might sound like a big number, but we'll get into why that might be in a minute. I have Jameer Gibbs projected for 15 fantasy points a game, which is a top 12 running back. So excited to talk about that. And I have a Moen Ross St. Brown projected for 130 receptions, 1,500 yards, and 20 fantasy points per game. It is a huge number, but honestly, if you look at what's been going on the last few years with the Moen Ross, as long as he's healthy, I think it's uh, optimistic but attainable is how I'd like to describe it. So when I first sent you these projections, what stood out to you? Um. Yeah, so looking at him, definitely that Amon Ra number jumped out at me, um, 135 receptions. But I do think that's attainable, like you said. There's definitely not much behind him at the moment. Um, that one stood out. And then the golf number, 4,500 yards. Uh, I would love to absolutely see that from him this year. I did think uh, – I think I saw in there that you had Khalif Raymond at like 12 receptions. I think he'll be a little more involved than that, um, as I think they're going to definitely spread the ball out behind Amon Ra a little bit. Um, and he stepped up in previous seasons. They really like him. But other than that, no, man, they look pretty good. A uh, little, little on the high end, but like you said, you project without injury. But this should be a good year. I definitely think those are attainable. Yeah, for sure. And and that, that's a good note just for the listeners as well, is that I, I do uh, project without injuries for these projections unless there's a case like, you know, uh, a Kadarius Tony or something like that, where there's already an injury baked in. Um, let's start off with the running back room. Uh, first off, are you I, I know there's a value question with Jameer Gibbs taking him at number 12 overall. What do you think the drafting Jameer Gibbs does to this Lions offense, though? Um, I think it gives them everything they wanted Swift to be. I think it uh, definitely will add another element to Ben Johnson's offense, which I'm super excited about. But yeah, man, he, uh, you know, listening to Brad Holmes in interviews and whatnot, he doesn't refer to him as a running back first on the offensive weapon, which is exactly what he is. I think he's really going to take this offense to another level, give Ben Johnson another toy to play with. Um, 
I'm expecting big things. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as the split between Montgomery and Gibbs, uh, what I did for my projections was I gave uh, Jameer Gibbs only 38% of the non-quarterback rushes uh, and gave David Montgomery, you know, 50, slightly over 50%. Um, Is that kind of how you see things shaking out? Do you see Jameer Gibbs even getting that much? That that equated to about 160 carries for the season, you know, 10 a game, or do you think it comes in a little bit below there? Um, no, I think, I think it'll definitely come in around there, especially with, uh, JMO missing the first six weeks. I definitely think they're going to rely on Gibbs quite a bit through then. Um, I don't think 10 carries is unrealistic, you know, 10, 10 carries, five, six targets a game is kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, they, they took him early. There was rumors they would have taken him at six. Um, they just put out like a lions behind the scenes thing inside the den, uh, they were actually talking about taking him over Bijan. Um, they were they were ready to take him at six. So I think they have big plans for him. Um, uh, and I think yeah, and it's going to start right away. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I mean, we, it's been starting right away historically for top 15 picks uh, yeah. uh, for running backs. I mean, if you look back historically, the last five running backs taking the top 15, finished in the top 12 as a rookie. Uh, overall, you can expect about half of top 15 running backs to finish as an RB1 in their on their rookie contract. So, sorry, finish as the RB1 on their rookie contract, which is just an amazing statistic. Yeah. And hearing what the Lions say about Gibbs really gives me a lot of hope because I currently have him projected for 89 targets, which again, it's about five a game. I know that number 89 sounds a lot but 17 game season with no injuries is kind of how you get there. Do you see that as a, as a crazy number? Cause I, I mean, I have him as second on the team right now in targets and I don't really see, you know, I have Laporta just under there, but I really think that Gibbs is probably going to be second on the team. What, what do you think? Um, yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. I, I do think it'll be relatively close for him between him and Laporta. Um, from the way it sounds, Laporta is living with the first team. They absolutely love him. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's looked great in camp. Um, I don't think I've heard a bad report about him yet, but, uh, ditto for Gibbs. So no, I do think they'll be relatively even. And I, I think that would you say 89, 90 targets or receptions? Mm-hmm. No, I think that's definitely attainable. So. Yeah. And if you compare that to Deandre Swift last year, um, excluding the game, he only played, I think it was like 12% of the snaps. Uh, DeAndre Swift had 70 targets in 13 games last year. So yeah. that is essentially the same pace as what I'm projecting here for Gibbs. And I think it's safe to say that the current coaching staff values Gibbs and is more likely to give him work significantly higher than they valued Swift last year, just based on what we saw. So I, mean, I, uh, I, I was trying to honestly be slightly conservative and I got the 15 points a game. So do you see a, you know, really Alvin Kamara 2017, Austin Eckler 2019, like top three running back ceiling with Gibbs, or do you think it might take a year or two? Um, I, I think it might take a year or two, but I, I, I do think that's the mold they want him to be in. You know, Campbell coming from uh, New Orleans has referred to that, that kind of Ingram Kamara dynamic multiple times this offseason. I really do think that's his vision for this backfield. And I, I think they see Gibbs as that type of playmaker. Um, I, I don't know if he'll get there this year, but you know, then again, with JMO out the first six six weeks, we'll see how much they use him. It uh, 
it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. I, I'm projecting more like a six seven, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be really, really exciting this year. I'm always a little optimistic, cautiously optimistic <laughs> going into the season as a Lions fan. But this year, um, said it before, but I, I feel it this year. It's it's going to be a good year. I think so too. I mean, the line. We'll we'll get into a win loss record prediction yeah. in a minute, but uh, yeah, the the Lions are just stacked. I mean, when you they've added to their weapons, they have one of the best, maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. A bunch of up and coming players on the defensive side. So I I agree. Like I you know I spent my college years in Detroit. I the optimism hasn't been warranted for a while, but I think this could be the year. Um, you mentioned the Mark Ingram Camara uh, dynamic and. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because Mark Ingram was a useful fantasy player, even with Kamara there. Um, do you think that David Montgomery is going to be a useful player? Will there be enough left over for him? Yeah, I do think so. I do think that uh, with, with not much behind Amon Ra and Jay Momis in those first six weeks, they're really going to focus on that run game. Um, I think, you know, he's going to kind of, go into that Jamal Williams role. And as much as I love Jamal Williams, I, I, I do think Montgomery's a better player. Uh, he can catch a little bit better. Uh, he, he, he gets what's blocked for him. Plus a little bit extra. He's good at breaking tackles um, and behind this offensive line. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. I do think that he's looking at double digit touchdowns. I kind of have 10 as a baseline for him. Um, yeah. I expect to see him used in the pass game a little bit more than Jamal Williams. Uh, Jamal Williams was relatively non-existent in the past game, and Montgomery's proved himself useful in that before. So I think they're going to mix it up. Um, I do think we're going to see a lot of him and Gibbs on the field at the same time, maybe Gibbs on the slot, in the slot or split out wide. Uh, I'm excited to see what Ben Johnson's going to do. But, yeah, I, I definitely think there's room for both of them to eat. Yeah, and, I mean, the Lions last year, a lot of it was because their defense wasn't very good. but they were third in the NFL in offensive touchdowns. They had more offensive touchdowns than the Bills, than the Niners, and the Bengals, these high-flying offensive teams, and lines were above them. So if if they hit that 50-plus touchdown mark again, um, I, David Montgomery is going to get at least 10 of them is kind of the way that I would think about that. I, I currently have Montgomery projected for nine, but that's what the Lions only projected for 44 offensive touchdowns, which is more like eighth in the league rather than third in the league. But Again, they could easily surpass that, and Montgomery could surpass that. I, I currently have Montgomery on the kind of RB2, RB3 border, which is about where he's being drafted. But yeah. I agree. There's if, if he can – I think Jamal Williams had, what, 17, 18 touchdowns last year? So if he yeah. can take those, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's – uh, I, I actually looked it up the other day. I think 14 of 17 of Jamal Williams' touchdowns were from one or two yards, uh, which was just an insane – Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So yeah, I think I think they'll air it out a little bit more in the red zone, but I do think they like uh, using using that big offensive line and pounding it in when they get close. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense, and it certainly worked for them last year. Let's uh, let's move on to the receiving game a little bit. You've mentioned a few times, and you know you're spot on that there's not much behind um, Amon Ross St. Brown. Basically, you know you have Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, and Khalif Raymond. I you know, we, we can talk about, it's interesting you said about Khalif Raymond, that he might be, sounds like the third or fourth guy there. Uh, so, uh, but ultimately, I don't think any of these guys really matter. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 
Jamison Williams and uh, Sam Laporta are the guys I really want to talk about. So what, what are your expectations? Let's let's start with Laporta. Uh, yeah, Laporta I am absolutely in love with. Like uh, the, the camp reports have been nothing but positive. He seems like a Dan Campbell guy. Um, he was what was responsible for like 30% of Iowa's offense or some ridiculous stat like that. He looks good after the catch. Uh, I like how he can contort in the air and grab the ball, high point it. Uh, I think they'll be a little creative with him too. So, yeah, like we said, I don't really see many other options besides him and Gibbs. I mean, I could see a game here or there from Reynolds. He has that connection with golf back from L.A. Uh, and he's had big games in the past. But, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really see – where it's going to come from other than Laporta, Gibbs, and maybe a game here or there from Marvin Jones Jr. You know, maybe I'll have a two-touchdown game or something. But, um, no, I'm I'm very excited about Laporta. I think he is my second most rostered rookie from rookie drafts this year. So, Yeah, I think you cut out that for a second. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think oh, that we probably have um, – no, no worries. I think we probably have guys like Marvin Jones and Khalif Raymond might be good guys in best ball. But in terms of the, you know, consistent five targets a game, there's room for Laporta to be honestly, potentially the most productive rookie tight end this season, just because the Lions run a lot of plays and they have a very good offense. And it seems like there's no other players really in that range that Laporta is um, at Iowa. He had 111 catches. He had a yard in the last two seasons. He had a yards per route run over 2.0. He lined up in the slaughter outside on 45% of the snaps. And he had a 40 under 4.6 and a three cone drill under seven seconds. All of those are exactly what, what you want to hear for a tight end that can make the jump to the NFL pretty quickly um, and be a really good uh, receiving option. So I, I like Laporte a lot. Let's talk dynasty for him because he was being drafted. I thought it was probably the best value in rookie drafts, you know, at the mid to late second round. I had him at the 203 on my board. Where do you have Laporta right now in comparison to Mayer and Kincaid? Um, I've got him a couple spots higher than I think he was on KTC. I think he was number nine or something like that. I, I've got him closer to that number six range, kind of right behind Kincaid. Yeah. Um uh, Mayor, I've got, I think at 11 or 12, um, I do like Laporta a little bit me better than Mayor. I think he has more upside. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think Laporta could be valued as a, a top five tight end going into next year at this time. Um, I see kind of a, a George Kittle career path, but more consistency maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And another Iowa guy and there's a lot Absolutely. of room there, and part of that is because Jamison Williams is suspended for the first six games. Obviously, he only had, I think, one reception last season. Um, what, to me, I don't even know if Jamison Williams playing would impact Laporta that much, just because I don't see him as a target monster. But what are you hearing out of the Lions coaches? What are you expecting from Jamison Williams this season? Because if he has another, you know, redshirt season where he misses the first six weeks and then mainly maybe only plays you know 40 50 percent of the snaps after that then you're looking at kind of a lost pick in the top 10 so what, what are you seeing and thinking you're going to see out of Jameson Williams this year yeah so um camp reports have been a little bit all over the place on JMO uh 
they came out with something the other day, rumors about him in a fight in practice, and then he had his best day ever at practice. But uh, I, I think the coaching staff is expecting him to come in. Uh, I think it's – I don't know if it's week seven or week eight. We have a buy somewhere like that. But come in right away and, and, and do big things. Um, they're, they're putting that on him now. They want him to focus uh, a little bit more on consistency in practice. Um, but he's young. They just want him to get reps more than anything. He just needs the consistency of practice and reps. Uh, they like what they're seeing out of him for the most part, but I, I think with the biggest him is, is consistency more than anything. He's still young, but I ultimately I think they do still see that that uh, you know another offensive weapon, someone that will take the offense to the next level, take the top off. Um, I think they do see a potential number one receiver in him. Uh, I'm not sure if I see him as that. I don't know if I see him as a high volume guy, kind of like you said, but um, I, I do think he will be fantasy relevant when he comes back. No doubt about that. Yeah. And he's the type of guy that even on, you know, five catches or whatever, he can easily put up a hundred yards and, you know, a few scores. Are you like, let's say you're in a dynasty league. He's your, you know, fourth wide receiver. Are you relying on him at all for, for the season? If you're in a, if you're a contender, are you looking to flip him for some win now value or what's your game plan there? So if I'm a contender and he's my wide receiver for, um, I might shop him a little bit, but ultimately I think I'd probably hang on to him and, and have that boost for the second half of the season because I, I do believe he's going to come in and, and make plays and be fantasy relevant. Um, I, like you said, five receptions a game because I'm, I'm expecting him to get about seven, eight, maybe eight targets a game. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I expect big things from him and, and as does the coaching staff. They want him to come in and challenge Amon Ra for that number one spot. That's what they drafted him for. Um, I, I don't know if he'll do that, but I do think he'll he'll be maybe one one B to Amon's, Amon Ra's 1A. Uh, that, that's, that's the plan. Um, but he's young and I'm, I just want to see him get out there and get reps more than anything. Yeah, and the thing is, like, with his speed on the outside, all of the rest of the, you know, the top three weapons, how I see it for Detroit, are Laporta, Gibbs, and Amon Ra. Those are all kind of interior players, right? Working out of the slot, working as an inline tight end, working out of the backfield. So Jamison Williams is either going to get, you know, one-on-one coverage with single high safety where he can hopefully have a few big plays, or if he's good enough, and teams have to play too high against the Lions. They're just going to run it down people's throats and work that, you know, short intermediate passing game over the middle and just dominate. So I, I think it's exactly. a great fit if Jamison can can be what we're hoping he can be. And I, I, I wasn't high on him as a draft pick. However, he is embarrassingly low in terms of his rankings, whether you look at KTC or whether you look at ADP right now. He's going as the wide receiver 31 as ADP and the wide receiver 32 on keep trade cut. He's my wide receiver 22. Um, and I just think he's an incredible value. I mean, last time we saw this guy really play, he had fought 1,500, sorry, 1,572 yards and 15 touchdowns. That was only 30 fewer yards than Jackson Smith, the Jigba and six more touchdowns than Jackson Smith, the Jigba had in his 2021 season. So I think people are sleeping a little bit on Jameson Williams and, Sounds like the coaching staff is, is still high on. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, um, I, I would take him about 10 spots higher than where he's at. Uh, I've got him about that 19, 20 range. I'm a little bit higher on him than you, but um, 
Yeah, he's. I mean, you want that variance on your roster, even if he's not that consistent every week play. He's going to have those weeks where he's gonna he's gonna win them for you, no doubt. He's gonna have that 130 yard two touchdown game at some point, and he's gonna win you weeks. Uh, hopefully, he will bring consistency. But uh, if you're getting him as your wide receiver three or four, run it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and a great you know flex option or bye week fill in option at that point. Um, Let's move on and talk about, uh, do a quick lightning round. So I've been asking all of the people hopping on uh, these same four questions. Uh, this first one's tough because I, I think there's a lot of answers to it. it. It's funny. I'm not a Lions fan, but uh, I, I have, you know, Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown are two of my most owned players. So who is the best dynasty value on the Lions right now? Uh, um. The answer I wrote down originally was with Laporta because I do think he'll jump up into that top five next year. Um, but talking about JMO, he is embarrassing, William. <laughs> embarrassingly yeah. low. So I, I think I'm going to switch my answer to JMO, but there's just so many intriguing options on this roster. You know, it's all young. There's a lot of potential. You could, you can make the case for a jump for quite a few of them. Um, you know, I've, I've actually got Gibbs ranked as my, RB3 in Dynasty. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I think Jameis has got to be the answer for, for the upside he brings. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I actually think Gibbs is my RB3 now as well. Um, he's kind of right there with Jonathan Taylor, but if especially with Taylor potentially holding out, I think you have yeah. to go with Gibbs at that point. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't have much to add. All of these guys are great values, so I, I think you can't really go wrong there. Um, who is the worst dynasty value on this team? Oh, um, as much as I hate to say it, it might be Amon Ra, just because yeah. he, he's going is a, is a top five receiver in a lot of places or right around there. And while I think he's going to have a crazy season, I don't know. Once you know. Gibbs, Laporta, Jamo are all going into their second year a little more familiar with the system. I don't know if there's enough volume to keep Amon Ra's pace going. Uh, maybe if he adds that downfield threat to his game like he was kind of talking about. Um, but it is hard to bet against the dude. Um, the camp reports have been, you know, saying he's a man amongst boys out there. Like he's catching everything, you know, it's the offense runs through him. Uh, yeah, everything in camp has just been like, this guy is going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL this season. I, I mentioned earlier, I'm projecting him for 20 points a game, and that might be crazy. In games last season where he was healthy, which was 13 games, he's, he averaged 19.2 points a game. So it's like right. it's not as crazy, as, and that was with uh, TJ Hawkinson for most of the season. So it's not as crazy as it might sound. I'm, I'm super high on Amon Ra. So my answer for this is Jared Goff, and it's a little bit difficult because – actually, sorry. My answer for this is David Montgomery. Um, he's going okay. in the ninth round of startup drafts. He's going in the same range as running backs like Devon Chain, James Cook, Kendrick Miller. I, I just don't see the upside there for a guy like David Montgomery, and I'm not really interested in – like I would rather just – pay pay less for James Conner and get more production or pay more for, you know, a, actually a guy who could be a top 12 running back. But I, I, I get the point there, but I, I do want to talk about Jared Goff because if he's going to put up 4,500 yards and if the lions are going to win, you know, 
11, 12 games. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Then I assume Jared Goff will keep his job. Still, something about him makes me nervous. And I look at the, the Lions team with this young core of weapons, and I wonder if maybe they think they can upgrade quarterback at some point. What, what's your temperature take on, on how the Lions feel about Goff and how the fan base feels about him? Well, I mean, that's the million-dollar question, um, long-term anyways. We know that, that the coaching staff absolutely adores him, but um, and he's, he's grown, grown on the city quite a bit. Uh, last year did a lot for his standing amongst Lions fans. You could uh, yeah. kind of see the consensus changes from he's a rental, you know, he, he just came with the trade to uh, he could possibly be our future. Oh, we're talking contract extension. Um, so I think it really depends on how he plays this year. If, if he puts up that 4,500 and the Lions, you know, do win double digit games, like you said, it'd be kind of hard to go in a different direction. I mean, I don't know why you'd, how you could justify it really. Um, Now it depends on how much he wants for that extension. I don't know if I'm willing to drop 40 million a year on golf, but uh, I think, I think that's my, maybe why they drafted hooker just to kind of keep him there and see, you know, what upside he brings. If things do go South with golf, Uh, I, I don't think they intend on, picking in the top five anytime soon. So I, I think that's kind of where their head's at. I, ultimately, I think they'd like Goff to be their guy. If, if they had their druthers, I think that's that's what they'd prefer. But ultimately, it depends on his play. So Yeah, and, and you know, Goff had 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions last year. So I'm, I'm almost predicting a, a slight regression from him in terms of some of those numbers, but overall a pretty similar season from Goff. I – it's interesting because they really would need to extend him. Like, so his cap at next year is 32 million, but only five of that is guaranteed. So I see the Lions, like I've been thinking about this a little bit as a Kyler Murray destination. Um, I don't know how he would feel about that, but like they, they're a team that I think might win 10, 11 games this season losing the playoffs and have it become clear that they have one of the best rosters, but don't quite have that guy. And it might be worth taking a swing on a guy. Like Kyler. So I, again, that's only one, it's only one guy. I'm not saying it's likely or going to happen or anything right. like that, but I, I could see that scenario happening, which is why I'm a little bit shy on, on Jared Goff as, you know, a fifth, sixth round startup pick given his, you know, zero rushing upside and, zero job security. Um, but I do think he's in for a pretty solid season and I don't, I don't mind having him as my QB two for sure. No, I think as a QB two, he, he's great. Like I said, I think he'll have a great season this year. Um, I, I think he has a little more than zero job security, but not much. Yeah. Uh, I do think that if things don't work out with the Lions, he'll end up on a, a Jimmy G career path and bounce from team to team and be their starter and ultimately probably be, you know, worthy of a roster spot for a few more years, but yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a good point. He, he, he'll start somewhere next year, but I think, I think outside, if it's not in Detroit, we, we saw what happened when Jared Goff is not in a good infrastructure in the oh, 100%. In LA. So he, he, he won't be probably fantasy relevant if, if he doesn't stick around in Detroit. <laughs> no, he won't find a better situation than this probably. For sure. All right. Uh, who is the player on that might be on waivers in a deep dynasty league that you should look at picking up? So 
I actually have a couple answers for this. Um, at running back, I would definitely look at Craig Reynolds. Um, him or Justin Jackson are definitely going to get that RB3 spot. I do think we're going to hold four running backs this year. Uh, and I know the offensive line loves Reynolds. The coaching staff loved, uh, loves Reynolds. I, I read a report the other day that he was uh, a lock for the RB3 spot. Then I read one today that was Justin Jackson. But they uh, they really like Reynolds. He's looked great in camp. He's a name to keep an eye on. And then at wide receiver, uh, Dylan Drummond. Mm-hmm is a kid out of Eastern Michigan, got invited to the local camp and has done nothing but ball out since. Uh, reading a lot of reports about Dylan Drummond. I actually saw something on Good Morning Football about him this morning. Um, but him or Denzel, Denzel Mims, I, I think in a perfect world, they'd like Denzel Mims to kind of come in and be that X receiver for those first six games uh, while JMO is out. You know, second round pick once upon a time. Uh, I think that was a little high back then, but Hopefully he can provide some relevance while JMO's out and maybe ultimately become like a, a wide receiver three on the team long term. Um, but yeah, those are a few names to keep an eye on. Mims to play? Yeah, do you expect Mims to play over like Marvin Jones to start off the season? No, definitely not. Definitely not. But okay. uh, maybe a few games in. Um, we'll see how it works. I think I, I do think he'll be rotated in. I. I I don't think he'll play over Marvin Jones uh, by any means to start the season, though. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and Drummond, I actually saw the other day that uh, Amon Ra said that he basically, like, I think he said he reminds him of himself or he's right yeah. there with him yeah. in terms of his understanding of the game, something like that. So, obviously, uh, players are not always the best scouts and they have their own biases, but uh, still good to hear. And Dylan Drummond might be a guy to keep a, keep an eye on. Um, what's your prediction for the win-loss record for the Lions this year? Yeah, I think you mentioned earlier. Um, I think we're going to 11, 12 games, 11 to 6, 12 and 5. Um, I do think we'll win the North uh, for the first time in 20-some years. So looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, I do think they'll, they'll crest that double-digit bank, hopefully be a playoff team this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that definitely should be the goal, especially with the rest of the uh, – rest of the division not not necessarily looking great um that should absolutely be the goal and this is this is not a gambling podcast but i think the lines are a pretty good bet right now a plus 140 uh to win the division um, yeah for the for the first time in 20 years we don't have a hall of fame qb in the division unless you know green bay somehow finds another one in love and he comes out and turns out to be a an aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre. Yeah, I mean, here in just here in uh, Chicago, they're already uh, getting the getting the sizing of Justin Fields' uh, Hall of Fame jacket. So I don't. Oh, know I believe that. it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> the hype here is pretty insane. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, must be nice to not have to go against Rodgers. And you, you you can see how a division can change. I mean, I'm a I'm a Patriots fan. Um, you can see how the division has changed since Tom Brady left. Right, the Bills are flying high and. You know, Dolphins and Jets are good now, and the Patriots are not quite good. So that, right. that could definitely happen in the NFC North as well. Um, before we sign off, do you have any uh, questions for me, either from a, from a dynasty perspective or uh, anything else? Um, yeah, so you said uh, you had Gibbs as your RB3 now, or mm-hmm. did you move him to RB2? Uh, RB3. I, I do have Brees Hall higher. Okay. Yeah, so that was actually one of my questions. So I got offered uh, 
I turned it down, but I got offered um, Hall for Gibbs and Pollard. Or it was Hall in a second for Gibbs and Pollard. Mm. I, uh, I definitely agree with your decision to turn that down. I think Pollard is Pollard is worth more than what the gap between Gibbs and Gibbs and Hall will be. I uh, I have Hall higher just because I really think that he was so damn good last season. Like all of his underlying metrics had him as a top five running back last season, and you know the, the injury is a concern, yeah, but you know I'm, I'm just hoping that that won't play in. Um, and his ceiling is a guy who can, you know, score 12 rushing touchdowns and get 80 catches while Jameer Gibbs can only do one of those things. So um, I have Hall higher than Gibbs, but other than that, I'm, I'm about as high on Jameer Gibbs as it can get. Right on. No, I love hearing that. Uh, and then do you have the Lions winning the division this year in your personal I do. I, I haven't gone through and, and done all the win-loss records uh, for all the teams yet, uh, but I have the Lions projected for 12 wins. So I, I would okay. be surprised if I have uh, another team in the division above that. Um, and listen, the NFC is, it's weak. Like th there's really, you know, one, maybe two, like very good teams in the NFC. Like you got the Eagles, you have SF, but there's a lot of questions there. Dallas, I know everyone loves, but there's some questions there too. It, it wouldn't shock me to see the Lions in the NFC championship game. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's, it certainly could happen. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of last year, there wasn't a team in the NFC that wanted to see the Lions uh, if they, if they did get in the playoffs. And I think, you know, going into the second year of Ben Johnson's offense, uh, Jared Goff is going to be a little more fluid to me. Jared Goff has always kind of been the type of quarterback that, you know, if you have an offensive controller that can use him as a joystick, He's he's great, uh, but if, if things get off schedule, you know, um, and I, I think Ben Johnson is, is perfect for that. So I'm excited to see a second year of his offense. Um, yeah, man, like I said, as a Lions fan, I've gone in cautiously optimistic before. Uh, thought you know we were gonna have a good season, but things do feel a little different under the Holmes Campbell reign uh, era. So yeah, I think the whole city of Detroit, whole state of Michigan's excited again. Yeah, awesome, and uh, glad to hear it. Hopefully uh, the uh, national champion Michigan Wolverines will uh, be joining <laughs> them in terms of making the, uh, the state of Michigan pretty excited. Uh, thanks again for joining, Derek. Uh, you got anything to uh, to uh, uh, plug before we sign off? No, man. Just appreciate you having me on. It was nice to link up and chat for a bit, and uh, go Lions. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to uh, good luck to the Lions this season, and uh, thanks again for joining. Uh, to all the listeners, we'll be back probably you know tomorrow very soon. We got all 32 team previews coming out within the next few weeks.